The following is a pre-recorded paid program. Any claims made during the program are strictly those of the advertiser. They do not reflect the views and are not guaranteed or warranted by Portland Radio Group or its parent company, Saga Communications Incorporated. This is Closer to Home, Maine's real estate radio with your host and real estate expert, Jeff Matea of the Matea Group at Keller Williams Realty. Whether buying your first home, your next home, or upgrading your present home, everything you need to know is right here. Now on News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560 WGAN. Good morning. You're listening to Closer to Home Maine's Real Estate Radio on News Radio 98.5 and AM 560 WGAN. I'm your host, but I'm not Jeff Matea today. My name is Harrison Smith. I was on last week's episode. I'm the Director of Growth of Matea Group, and I'm joined today by Danny. How are you doing, Danny? I'm wonderful, Harrison. How are you today? Excellent. In the uh, pilot seat for the first you time. You are. So. I'm seeing that. <laughs> Man, it's, it's odd. I'm looking to my right. I'm used to talking to Jeff, and we have Harrison today. I hope that's not a bad thing. <laughs> oh, no, not a bad thing at all. I'm excited for today's show. Today's conversation is going to be fantastic. Um, why don't you, uh, well, let's actually dive in. What'd you, what'd you do this weekend? What have you been up to? Boy, this weekend we were uh, busy hunting some eggs and eating too much candy and food. <laughs> but uh, that was kind of the gist of our weekend. How about you? No, wait, who was hunting for the eggs? Like, did your little ones put them out or were you hunting? Were they hunting? I'm just, I had questions. They were hunting, but I certainly assisted. <laughs> All right, you were you were kind of pointing. Look over there. Yeah, you, there's something about an Easter egg hunt that's fun, no matter how old you are. <laughs> no, okay, fair enough. That's true. That's true. All right. As for me, um, as I mentioned last week, I leave for my Camino, my big walk, and so I have been prepping my house. Um, so kind of cleaning up, tidying up, and then trying to fit my entire life into a backpack, which is just a really exciting adventure. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to. Trying to fit my entire life for two months into a backpack. I, it's wild. And the things you have to think about, you know, and you have to, um, the, the saying goes, let me see if I get it right. It's um, pounds equal pain. So oh, you have to be mindful about how much weight you're carrying. So things, any weight needs to be completely essential. It's just a whole different framework of thinking. Yeah, I could see that for sure. So that's what, that's what I've been up to. But I'm really excited for today's show. Um, Harrison, why don't you give us an overview? What are we, what are we mm -hmm. going through today? Yeah, so for, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the market. I know that everybody likes to hear the market updates. We'll, we'll take a little bit of a dive into the market. We're getting a lot of questions from clients right now that in my role, working with our agents and our clients, it's important for me to be able to address these questions. So I'm going to share some of those. Um, we got a great guest today, uh, a nice tip of the week and some local activities. So. Absolutely. I know I'm very excited for our guest. I, I have so many questions. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really excited to dive into to what he's going to bring to the table. So get excited for that in segment two. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, and of course, my my local events happening this weekend. Yes, those are key. They are. They are my around town. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Harrison, you kind of mentioned the market trends, updates, kind of what's going on. Yeah. So we're getting a lot of questions right now from clients and prospective clients trying to understand what's going on in the market right now. You know, mm. interest rates are on the rise. We're, we're still seeing multiple offers. We're still seeing a lot of activity. And, and there's a lot of questions around, you know, now still a good time to buy? What does the market look like? Mm. Um, and I, I also want to address at the end of this, we get a lot of questions about, well, I'm going to wait for the market to go down. You know, what does that look like? So right. let's um, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about what the market looks like right now. So we're actually beginning to see some more inventory come onto the market. And one of the metrics I like to look at is one called absorption. And what that means is 
based on what's on the market, how long would that take to sell given what's going on? All right. How long that would take to sell given what given the current condition of the market? Correct. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So what absorption does is it takes away, it's not a matter of how many listings, how many buyers. It's actually marrying those up and saying, this is in theory how long that inventory should be available. So you think about a retail store, when they put something on the shelves, they're thinking not how many are on the shelf, but how long will it take me to sell through those before I've got to replace them? Okay. This is similar in the real estate space. So we've consistently been in this kind of one to two month absorption rate. We're basically in a in the market we're in, it'll take about four weeks for that inventory to be gone. Okay. The problem we've got right now is although we're seeing more inventory come on the market, mm-hmm. the absorption is actually slightly declining because seasonally we sell more houses in the spring and Maine. A lot of people don't want to move in January and February. You know, they want to move closer to the end of the school year. It's a little bit less disruptive. Well, that makes sense. So although we've got some more inventory coming on the market, it's not lasting any longer because we tend to just sell more this time of year anyways. So if I'm understanding what you're saying, even, you know, we're, we're we've talked about the market we're in just kind of being different from the norm. So if we jump back in time, the norm would be that April, May, and June, that absorption rate would be higher naturally. And now adding on to our current market, it's just, it's, it's even more prominent that those houses are moving even faster. Exactly. Our demand, our demand in the spring is naturally higher. Right. So you need more inventory just to stay where you're at. So we're, we're seeing a very similar trend to what we've seen historically. Got you know, it. Historically in Maine, we don't sell as many houses in February, March as we do in April, May, June. We right. just don't. Makes sense. Um, it's hard to move in the winter, looking at school, job situations, all, all those things. Moving so, boxes in the snow. No. You know, that's, that's tough. I applaud anybody who does it, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. You know, and some folks say, you know, they, they wait till the spring. Jeff and I had talked about that, you know, kind of through the winter. People were holding back and saying, oh, I'll wait till the spring. Um, so we're at the spring. So, you know, maybe what we're seeing is more folks are trying to sell that, or they're interested in mm-hmm. selling. That, that inventory is increased, but it's moving that much faster because of a few factors, right? Exactly. Exactly. So we are seeing we are seeing more inventory. So that feels like it should be a good thing. Right. But really, we're going to sell more inventory this time of year, of year anyway. So really, we're not necessarily seeing the market change. Mm-hmm. It looks like it in brief spurts when you see a bunch of houses hit, but then likely those houses are going under contract quickly thereafter. So really, the market, what's going on in the market hasn't changed, although it looks like maybe it should have. I see. And that's a little bit confusing, I think, for the consumer who's seeing all these listings come out going, oh my goodness, great prices are going to slow down and things are going to change. In reality, we're seeing the same activity as we saw before. Hmm. So what does that mean for somebody who, you know, has been holding off or, or is in that that buyer's seat looking for their home? Yeah. So for buyers, I mean, your your interest rates have crept up for sure. Um, yeah. So you're definitely feeling the impact of that. Um, and we are still seeing multiple offers and houses going for more than list price. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look at the list price to sales price ratio, which is basically the percentage of the list price it sells for, mm-hmm. you know, in a perfect market, it would sell for 100% of the list price. You asked for this price, the buyer gave you that price and everything's good. Um, in reality, we're seeing in Cumberland County, we're seeing houses go out the door on average around 106% oh. of list price. And in York, we're seeing them at almost 104% of list price. And market-wide, we've now gone over 100% of list price across the state on average. So I feel like, at least from my perspective, that's kind of been consistent from for what we've seen the last couple of months in our area. Right. But what makes, why is that different? Because we haven't seen it as widespread in a while. So 
we saw the market the market as a whole last August we started to see more than 100% across the board everywhere okay and then it dipped a little bit and it became isolated pockets of that activity you know the highly desirable places people wanted to live we saw that consistently mm-hmm. now we're seeing it again become more widespread because although we've got more inventory we've also got more people looking so and they're expanding their searches they're willing to not they're willing they'd love to live in Portland but they're also okay living in Gorham or Standish sure sure um, sure they're willing to go a little farther because that might be what it takes to get the home they want Right. And so it, what you're saying is that even with that geographic kind of growth moving outwards, now we're starting to see that 100, that 100 over listing price happening in those areas as well, whereas before, maybe not so much. Correct. It's becoming very much widespread. Wow. That's really, you know, that makes it a little tougher for, for the buyer who are, who is looking for that or just, I guess, well, maybe not tougher, but more of what I'm thinking is it puts that knowledge puts them more in the driver's seat to be able to know what they're looking at when they go to make an offer. Absolutely. So the you know the buyers are still in a very competitive environment. It's mm. really critical they're working with a strong, uh, experienced agent to get them through this situation because you are going to be looking at multiple offer situations. You're going to be looking at having to potentially go over the list price. You're looking at having to put together the most attractive offer that you can. And having somebody who's very experienced and knowledgeable on your side is absolutely crucial in a market like this because this is where an agent has to use all of the tools they've got mm. to put you in the best spot. And then the flip side is on the seller side, you know, you're going to have a, you're going to have strong offers come in, mm-hmm. but then you've got to pick which one and there's pros and cons to different types of offers. So again, you need somebody with experience and knowledge that can guide you through that process to point you in the right direction. Obviously the client still decides, of course, but you need an agent, you need that strong agent that can guide you in the right direction. So you get the outcome that you're looking for. Makes sense. Makes sense. Actually, you know, so you you mentioned rates and the changing <clears throat> rates. Um, my cousin, um, actually, they live in the like Skowhegan area. Mm-hmm. Um, they messaged me last week. They found a house. They're so excited, um, but they were starting to look at mortgages. And so they were bouncing around all sorts of folks uh, or, or all sorts of companies trying to look at what the rates were. And she was just astonished mm-hmm. to, to see how much they had changed. Um, I was kind of wondering what your thoughts were on that. Yeah. So rates have definitely changed quickly. and. You know, they have to, you know, yeah. historically our, our mortgage rates have been about 7%. We're, we're in the fives right now, mm-hmm. which is still historically low, but it's not the threes we were at, you know, six, eight months ago. Sure. So rates have to come up to try to slow things down. But ultimately, as I mentioned at the, at the top of this was, this is not necessarily an inflationary situation. House prices aren't this way because interest rates were so low. It mm-hmm. certainly helped. Right. But we have a real true supply issue in this state and across the country um, there was a Freddie Mac study that uh, came out talking about the fact that America is actually 3.8 million houses short of the demand that they actually would need to fulfill, uh, or sorry, of supply to fulfill the demand that there is out there. So 3.8 million short. Yeah. So in theory, wow. you could put 3.8 million houses on the market across the country and they would all sell right now. <laughs> wow. I'm just imagining 3.8 million houses at the moment, just like popping up like a daisy. Like, exactly. Wow, <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of houses. And this has been a long-term problem. Since the crash of 08, buildings slowed down because people were, were afraid. Um, you know, construction costs have gone up, labor costs have gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have a lot of regulation in various cities and municipalities that, you know, prevents so much building. You can only allow so much building per year. Um, and that's also slowed it down. So there's not really a mechanism to catch that up. So people ask us, you know, when's the market going to go down? Is it going to crash? And our response is, no, we don't see that happening. Maybe would the market stabilize and taper off a little bit? Maybe. Sure. But in reality, we don't. There's not enough houses inside of this state mm-hmm. to fulfill the demand that there is for housing. 
Wow, that's that's wild to think about just in, in terms of scale and those numbers. And I I know you mentioned building projects, things of that nature. That, that makes me think about our guest. Our guest is going to touch on that a bit in this next segment that's coming up, talking about building, talking about projects, talking about renovations, and how he can be a, a key role in helping that project, that dream kind of come to life. I'm so excited for him to dive in. Absolutely. And it's going to be key for people to know that they've got options available to them because you may not be able to just buy housing. You may have to find housing. We'll be right back on WGIN. Welcome back to Closer to Home, Maine's real estate radio with your host and real estate expert, Jeff Matea on News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560 WGAN. You're listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. Uh, we're going to be bringing in our, our guests for today. All right. I'm so excited to introduce um, David Lichten from um, a Private Lending Consultant, who's here in the studio. David, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you on. Um, why don't you start off? Just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, things you do outside of work, some of your hobbies. Yeah, so I'm I'm from away. You're from, from away. I'm from away. I'm originally from New York, and I went to college up here, and I drank the Kool-Aid and stuck around. <laughs> I uh, grew up in a family very involved in building. My dad was an architect, and I worked for general contractors when I was a kid, oh, teenager, wow. not a child. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, important. Uh, yeah, important distinction. Um, but I've always grown up in the building industry, and when I came out of college, I spent a little time out west ski bumming. It's one of the things I like to do. Oh. But I uh, moved back to Maine and to the Portland area and uh, started exploring options for a career in real estate, specifically leaning on the building side and talked with some brokers, talked with some commercial lenders, some more traditional financing options. And and in my uh, digging in and exploring, I came across private lending. And it's kind of a nice little um, middle path that marries a lot of the different concepts that you guys talk about on your show, specifically on the building and investment side, not necessarily on the home ownership side. Um, and I really just dove right into that. It called to you. It did. It did. It absolutely <laughs> did. I, I get to spend a lot of time throughout the state. Um, I've, I've been involved in projects in almost every county at this point, um, actually in every county at this point. And um, projects anywhere ranging from single family home builds all the way through larger mixed use development projects. And can go into more of that. Um. Awesome. That sounds great. So, David, if if somebody hasn't heard of a private lending consultant, um, if they were just asking what you do, what would what would you kind of tell them just to introduce them to a little bit of an overview of, of how you can help them? Yeah. So the the simple answer is that um, we can be involved in any kind of scenario where the person borrowing the money is not necessarily going to use the property for their own personal use. It's not going to be a residence. Okay. So that leaves a lot of doors open. There's a lot of different ways that our lending can show up. But really what I am doing as a private lending consultant, private mortgage broker is I am marrying the folks that want to invest in real estate, kind of regardless of where that falls within the spectrum of investment options that you can make. Not everybody's building luxury housing, not everybody's building skyscrapers, especially here in Maine. But what I can do is I can take that person and whatever their goals are in investing in real estate, I can provide them with uh, a source of capital and provide them with funding to help in the acquisition of that property as well as any construction costs that might come up. 
Um, so the, the most common scenarios where we find ourselves working with people, and this is across all levels of experience, is working in buying distressed homes, which we have a lot of in the state. Most mm-hmm. of the homes in the state were built before 1900. Wow. need a lot of love and <laughs> we can help fund that love um, and get them to the point where they can then become uh, either a property that that borrower would rent out and hold as an investment or they turn around and sell it. That doesn't necessarily need to be single family homes. We do multifamily projects as well. Um, going back to the, the first portion of the show, really what we're doing is taking a lot of underutilized spaces and making them usable and helpful for the community and and to be a viable investment opportunity for the person taking on the project. That's fantastic. Yeah, so you meant we mentioned very clearly it's private lending. You know, it's not conventional lending. So could you explain maybe the distinction between what makes it private versus, you know, your conventional lending like somebody like Corey Scott has been on the show? Yeah, so for the most part when you work with traditional sources of capital, it's either a bank or a mortgage company and they oftentimes are um, federally, re- federally regulated, they are insured by the federal government. What I'm doing is I am working with basically high net worth individuals for the most part, um, sometimes with other private companies that are not backed by any kind of, any kind of federal guarantees. Mm-hmm. And that's why we don't necessarily dabble in working with homeowners. But um, what we're able to do is kind of look around some of the sort of immediate risks and be a little bit more aggressive in how we can finance something. So I work with essentially high net worth individuals who are looking for different means to invest. And maybe they are somebody who is, you know, heavily invested in the stock market. They have their own holdings, whether it's in other kinds of assets or real estate as well. But this is just another avenue for them to be able to get a nice return on their investment. And what we do is we see a project opportunity and we work with that borrower and we evaluate that project looking at, you know, what are you paying for it presently? What kind of funds does it need to be improved, get Mm -hmm. it to that really highest and best use? Mm -hmm. What do we think the value of the property is going to be once it's hit those improvements, either through physical improvements or maybe it's cash flow related? Maybe you're just increasing rents on something. So what that can do is um, basically we're willing to kind of overlook some of the more immediate risks that a bank might not necessarily be comfortable with or somebody who does have enough cash that they can take on these kinds of projects themselves and self-fund it. But all of a sudden, they're limited by their opportunities. They have all of their invested, all of their capital available tied up in one project. And all right. of a sudden, by working with a company like mine, um, you're able to take on more and grow more aggressively. We are allowed to facilitate more growth. That's fantastic. One thing that you mentioned, which I think really stands out to me, is that when you take on a project, it's it doesn't sound like you're coming in just to fund or help fund that project. It's It sounds like you're taking more of a consultant role. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, part of the way that my position sort of sitting between the borrowers, people wanting to do these projects and the folks that are lending out the money, um, it's really important to us that everybody succeeds. So if the borrower succeeds in their project, we know that the investor has succeeded. The money has gone out, provided what it's needed to provide, and it comes back to them. They've returned their investment with some level of profit. Um, If all of those things happen, the borrower then is incentivized to go and do more projects. You know, if they're looking to build an apartment portfolio, invest in multifamily, invest in single family homes, short term rentals, whatever it might be, whatever their goals are, Mm -hmm. do more flips, build more houses. We are helping them hit those goals. And if they succeed, then we continue to do business with them. And as far as the, the consultation component of it goes, you know, if I have somebody who approaches me saying I want to do a project and I don't think it's a good fit for them. There's a lot of issues that I see coming up, whether it's related to not a lot of potential profit, 
um, them not having the capital to to be able to carry the kind of project that they're looking at, I'm going to discourage them from pursuing that. You're listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. So, David, we find that private capital and private lending is an option a lot of people don't truly understand. And a lot of people also have a little bit of a negative connotation or a fear of it because it's the unknown. You know, how do you how do you address that? Um, that's a really great question, Harrison. And and I would say it starts off with a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's it's easy to kind of look at these things and say this is just a loan shark. There's a, a lot of, like you said, negative connotation to it. Um, going back to my answer to Danny's question a moment ago, you know, we're looking for relationships. You know, we're looking to not do one deal with somebody. Uh, I would like to be able to help someone hit those goals. And and ultimately, you know, if you're investing in real estate, really what you're looking for is to be making money. I mean, it's another tool for investment. And in the same way that this is my job, I'm looking to make money as well. So if I have borrowers that are succeeding and they're happy with the product and they continue to work with me, then I am benefiting financially. I'm not going to be you know vague about that. Right. Um, so if I have a borrower who is not succeeding and I am no longer able to do business with them, that's not a success story. And mm-hmm. I want people to be able to work with me and then go out and say, yeah, you know, David helped us hit our goals. You know, we've been able to leave our W-2 jobs because we have an apartment portfolio. You know, we're making 200K a year across these seven properties, whatever it might be, whatever method you want to go with. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if they succeed, they're going to tell their friends in the same way that, you know, your realtor, the folks that you guys work with, you want to do a good job for anybody that you're representing, whether it's on a sale or an acquisition, so that they go then and tell their friends, they tell their family, and more business comes your way. So I'm operating the same sort of um, philosophy of, you know, the more wins we help create, the more people that we help grow, our business will grow. Absolutely. It's kind of that doing the doing the right things for the right reasons, you know, putting, you know, putting that positive piece out there for success stories all over. No, Absolutely. That completely makes sense. Yeah. And your job really in this case is to create that win, win, win situation where the borrower wins, the capital wins, you win and everybody succeeds because otherwise, you know, there's not a lot of business for you to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you, David. Um, we're going to wrap up here. In our next segment, we'll take listeners' questions, uh, folks who have either called in or texted in. Um, and if you have a question, you're more than welcome to give us a shout, 207-331-5516, or text us on that number. I'm a big texter. Or shoot us an email closer to home at portlandradiogroup.com. Wonderful. Well, we'll be back in just a bit. Have a question about real estate or home improvement? Call the 24-hour Closer to Home helpline at 207-331-5516. Now back to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio, with your host and real estate expert, Jeff Matea of the Matea Group at Keller Williams Realty on News Radio 98.5 FM and AM 560 WGAN. You're listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. I'm Harrison Smith, and our guest today, David Lichten. We've got some questions for David, so let's kick it off, Danny. Absolutely. So um, we have a handful of questions. These have come in via text, via phone call, and email. So just a reminder for folks, if you have a question for us, reach out, 207-331-5516. That is a text-friendly number, or closer to home at portlandradiogroup.com. All right, David, are you ready for your first question? Bring it on. All right. Sarah texted in from Cumberland. She said, if you're not a bank, where does the money you lend come from? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. So uh, kind of what I was talking about in the earlier segment was I work with a lot of high net worth folks. That is one portion of how I fund projects. The other portion would be working closely with um, larger national or regional sources of capital um, that work in construction lending, uh, investment lending. And basically with those different sources of capital, I have a lot of flexibility as far as how I can structure the deal, whether from a dollar amount size, uh, the geographic components of it, whether it's just along coastal Maine or all the way up into, you know, the northern counties, the county. Um, all the way up. All the way up. <laughs> New Hampshire as well, not just Maine. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, and that gives me some reach as well. Throughout the country, especially, you know, with a lot of people heading down to Florida when it's a little colder out, we do some stuff in Florida. So, um, yeah, the the local folks that I work with as far as source of capital are providing the most flexibility as far as how we structure Um what kinds of projects that we look at, and then things get a little bit more restricted as I move into national source of capital, but it gives us a lot more reach and longer term as well. Gotcha. So these are people that want to be invested in real estate, but don't necessarily want to be doing the project themselves. Right. They don't want to swing a hammer or have to uh, deal with uh, you know heat, heating systems blowing out in the middle of winter and that kind of thing. I mean, fair enough. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We got another question here from Ben uh, asking, is this a permanent loan? Yeah, that's a really good question. So there's kind of two answers to that. So the the short answer is um, no, it's generally on a short term. Um, but uh, that said, the loan is structured to allow for enough time to do whatever you need to do, mm-hmm. improvements wise, improving cash flow, if that's part of it, uh, list to sell, go under contract and sell it, or work with your bank, your longer term source of financing to reposition with long term debt. And, and we can have a larger conversation with that. But the other answer to the question is... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it can be a permanent solution, really. It's not financing that's intended to be done on a longer term, so it is a little bit more expensive in that sense. So if a borrower continues to make the payments and continue to be in the loan in perpetuity, we're not going to say no to that. It's a really good return on investment for the investor, sure. but maybe not the best scenario for the borrower. And and if we saw a scenario like that, and it does happen, I play a proactive role, again, going into the sort of the consulting side of this and mm-hmm. connecting them with long-term options for financing or connecting them with realtors like Harrison and Jeff um, and the other folks at the Matea team to to have an exit. Makes sense. So it, it just seems like there's a lot of options for both parties, the you know, for the financing side as well as the borrower. Yeah. The, the big thing just sort of philosophically about what I do is it provides flexibility and agility. That's that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I paused. I had to like let that sink in a little bit. I was like, hmm, those words I wouldn't necessarily think with financing, but we it open a lot sense. of doors. Yeah. You open a lot of doors. So if there was a situation where a borrower might be maybe not on, on time or not on schedule or the outcome isn't quite what they hoped and they need to stay in a little bit longer, you're not just going to foreclose on the home and take it back and push them out of the way, right? No. You know, the, the thing about that is, um, I, I, so I've never had a foreclosure in the time that I've been doing this and I've been in it for about eight years now. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to go ahead and say that, you know, that's 100% by my own doing. You know, statistically, I am likely to have a foreclosure at some point. Um, But the thing about all of the ways that we do this is that, you know, again, we're looking for wins and my investors don't want to be owning properties. If they wanted to own the property, they just would have paid more for it than what the borrower bid on it. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, So if, if issues arise and they do, and it's not necessarily, you know, having troubles in getting financing, having trouble selling it, um, I encourage in all situations to be proactive in communicating. Communication is key in any kind of project. Um, so if there are things that come up, there's trouble on the horizon, if the borrower is proactive in working with me, I can help in either repositioning the deal on a longer term, moving it over to a different investor. Um, if if there's 
things coming up, but we feel like the project is otherwise in good shape and maybe the borrower is having issues with making the payments. Um, if they're hiding their head in the sand and ignoring all this and not working with us, our hands are kind of tied. If they're proactive in working with us and upfront about issues that arise, we're going to go to bat for them and try to come to a reasonable solution so that it is a win. Makes sense. Again, if you have questions, you know, if what Davis is sharing makes you think, oh, I wonder I wonder about this, don't hesitate to reach out. You can give us a call or text 207-331-5516 or shoot us an email closer to home at portlandradiogroup.com. I think we have another question for you, right, Harrison? Absolutely, we do. So this question came from Mike. Uh, you could have been a conventional lender. Why did you go towards the private lending area? Um, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I... Um, I do spend some time in my office. I'm not a banker. You know, I, I am able to meet with borrowers on site, walk projects with them. I am a sucker for an old home. I love walking <laughs> through an old home, even if it's in like a great state of disrepair. I love to see the project. I love to see both the front, the in the the in process and then the finished product. Um, and I get to work across a really wide variety of types of projects. I mean, I've, I've financed renovations of mobile homes. I've done, you know, almost a hundred thousand square foot mixed use spaces. There's, oh, wow. there's a lot of different things that we can do. So I just get a lot, I get a lot of flexibility in both what I'm doing, um, who I'm working with, mm-hmm. um, and where in the state I go right now. I have active projects in Bar Harbor all the way into New Hampshire. And I'm looking at a deal even in Phoenix right now. So, oh. yeah, it's, I, I mean, we have kind of a we hike. Have, yeah, 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 yeah. That one I'm not quite as so much on site for, but yeah, it's, it's very Can't cool. imagine. Yeah. Be, I mean, I, hey, I wouldn't mind going to Phoenix right now. But, I know, uh, right? Very true. Yeah, that warm weather does sound pretty nice. I mean, I, I like how you started that because you're having fun. Like, yeah. is, isn't that kind of at the heart of what we're all trying to do, you know? It's, well, and I love what real estate presents is tons of opportunities. And, you know, you, sometimes you find that one that just speaks to you and, and that's the direction you go. Absolutely. Um, you know, there definitely were moments, especially early on, where I didn't know a lot of people, especially not being from here. Mm. Um, I don't have the luxury, especially when I start off, of of going to my dad and saying, you know, who are your golf buddies? You know, connect me with some sure. people. Um, so a lot of it has been, you know, through my own my own sweat and time and, and all of that. Um, but it's enjoyable. You know, I, I get to meet a lot of different people. I get to hear a lot of different stories. And, you know, if I'm able to make a living helping people, helping people grow... It feels good. I don't know. I, I see through you. It's really you're just going for the old houses. <laughs> yeah, you're like if I get to if I get to walk through the old houses. <laughs> a lot of this old house was on in our in my house growing up. Oh, was yeah, it? Yeah. Oh. And, I, and I use it now to help you know with my own home renovations. Wait, Bob? Is it Bob Vila? Am I? Am, is that who the? He's not was? not so much on it anymore. But yeah. But he was back then, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the throwback. And maybe yeah, I have the name the, right. Yeah. We, we, we all grew up with that show and Bob Vila in particular. So. <laughs> right. No, no. I geez. I I this I can tell you're passionate. Just what you're talking about. You really really enjoy it. Um, so with that being said, if folks wanted to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah. So um, my cell phone is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, I am, like I said, not in the office every single minute of the day. I'm often on the road. So my phone is my office. Yep. And that number is 917-613-2130. Again, I'm from away. I don't have a 207 number. <laughs> um, but that's 917-613-2130. Um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um my name is David Lichten, and uh, I think we're going to put everything up on social online and everything. So Most definitely. So, yeah, if, if you're looking for David's um, LinkedIn, we'll put a link for LinkedIn. See what I did there? Um, nice. On our <laughs> website, jeffsellsmain.com slash closer to home. Pop over there. You'll find everything about today's show. Um, and even if you missed a segment or two, our podcast will be up there so you can click on it there as well. Sure. And then 
quickly before we let you go, David, if somebody does have a project and they want to get started, what does that look like? What's the best way to get started? Well, the best way to get started is uh, call me. You know, I, I <laughs> encourage people to, if you're thinking about investing, even if you don't necessarily have a project in hand right away, um, call me and talk to me about, you know, what your goals are. What do you want to do? What kind of resources do you have available right now? And, you know, I will do my best to, based off of the information that you provide to me, offer guidance, connect you with people that will be able to help you, whether it's general contractors, whether it's uh, people on the traditional banking side. If they don't have a realtor, they will certainly be uh, having a call with me and the Matea team. Um, but uh, I'm going to do what I can to you know, help put you in the right direction. Thank you so much again, David, for joining us. Um, you are listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. Up next, we'll have the tip of the week as well as what's going on around town. This is Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio. Whether buying your first home, your next home, or upgrading your present home, everything you need to know is right here with Jeff Matea of the Matea Group at Keller Williams Realty and his weekly guest experts. You're listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio on News Radio 98.5 and AM 560 WGAN. We're back with our tip of the week. I think we've got a really good one this week, Danny. I think we do. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but before we dive in, I just loved the segment David joined us just joined us with. That was so informative. Yeah, I think private lending is an amazing tool, and I view it as a as an enabler. Mm. You know, it, it projects that you otherwise can't do. Private capital and private lending allows you to get into. Right. Um, and especially in the housing market that we're in, sometimes you need to maybe find that house that needs a little love. Um, and that's where people like David can, co can come in and make that a reality. Absolutely. I mean, I'll you know, in my real estate experience thus far, I've never used private lending, and I I learned so much. And you know, it's one of those. I mean, hindsight twenty twenty. But I'm like, what was I thinking by not doing yeah. this? Yeah. I missed out. Yeah, and I can say I have used um, private capital, oh, and, yeah. and I've used David specifically, and yeah. it was a uh, the process was very easy. Um, he's a great resource, very knowledgeable of real estate, the market. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the fact that he, he kind of positions himself like he's a free consultant in the whole deal. So you're not just getting access to some capital, but you're getting access to really good people that know this business, can help keep you from going astray. Um, and that to me is almost as valuable as the access to the funding. Absolutely. That, you know, it, it really, you can boil it down to two things just in the, the whole real estate world, which is, you know, connection and communication. Those two exactly. pieces, like you, you need those wherever you are. And to hear that that's the forefront of, of what he offers, I mean, that lines perfectly with what we see work on a daily basis. Exactly. We find two things generally hold people back from making progress, and that is knowledge. They just don't feel comfortable. They don't know the next step or it's access to the capital to do it. And the nice thing is with somebody like David, you get both. Absolutely. Man, I liked your segue there. You really just like led us into that tip of the week, Harrison. Well, and I, th I think given the topic, it's the tip of the week is the right tip of the week. All right. Finish right. it. See it through. What's our tip of the week for t this week? So tip of the week. So I think what I think what we find is those people that are that are generally most successful, and that this is real estate. This is everything in in any business mm -hmm. is being able to work through the points of friction, and and that is you know when things get hard, when they get a little bit maybe a little difficult, a little challenging. Maybe it goes a little bit beyond what you are prepared for or ready for. It's being able to know that you know at the other end of that discomfort at the other end of that maybe difficult conversation or a tough situation that's where the reward is and mm -hmm. oftentimes we don't get far enough down the road to get there we give up just before or we maybe avoid it because it's not comfortable mm -hmm. and i think that's where it's so key to know who the people are in your world 
or maybe who the people are that you don't know yet um, that you need to have that relationship that maybe can help you find that solution or even provide that solution. So know the people you don't know yet. That's, that sounds that's yeah. <laughs> that sounds a little tricky there. <laughs> yeah. Who do I not know that I need to know? Yeah, and it, and it is a little tricky because there's oftentimes you're looking at a situation maybe you've never been through, but you know you've hit this wall and you don't know what to do next. Sure. And really then it's kind of going out to your network to say, hey, I'm in this situation. Um, you know, How would you handle it? Or do you know somebody who might be able to get me through it? And that's where having that, that inner circle and that, you know, we've, we talked about, you know, the network last week on the show. That's right. That's where having that network of people you can go to to mm. ask those questions. I mean, we all ask silly questions. You know, they, may, they feel silly to us, right. but they're important in the moment. And to somebody else who's already asked that question, they've been there, done that, and they can give you the answer. No such thing as a silly question, right? Exactly. No, no such, such thing. thing. And I have no shame to ask questions of anybody <laughs> and anything at any time. <laughs> That's true. He, Harrison, you are known for asking a yeah. lot of questions, but it's a good thing. It's a, you know, so kind of, you know, to our tip of the week, just in one sentence here, thinking outside the box. Exactly. So it's when you hit that point that you go, I don't know what to do, you know, as, as Harrison said, so many people, we might stop, we might give up, we might turn around. But instead, how can you think outside of the box to reach out to somebody to answer that question for you or solve that problem for you? Because maybe somebody's already gone through it. Exactly. And in many cases, the solution, it might be a thing. Uh, it might be a person. Mm-hmm. It might be some sort of resource. Yep. Um, but it's it's going far enough down the road to realize that I need something and who might be able to help me figure out what that might be. And that's actually, I feel like that's a very important role that we at the Matea Group play is that our clients really can call us for anything uh, and we'll help them find the solution, whether it's a person, a a thing, whatever it might be. You know, we're happy to take those calls and kind of filter through what they need and provide them back a solution or connect them to somebody who can if we can't. And that to us is a big piece of that relationship component that David was talking about. Most definitely. So can you give an example for you? Like when you've, when you've had this happen, you've hit the wall, you're at the wall and you're going, ugh, when you've turned it. Well, I mean, I, Harrison's laughing at me, but you know, it's yeah. that feeling of just like, ugh, oh, I've hit the wall. I have this problem. I might feel overwhelmed, maybe a little anxious about what's happening, but when's the time for you that you've turned and, and found the, the solution? Yeah. And actually I, I'm going to use the example of when I did work with David on a project, oh. um, had a great opportunity come to me. I wasn't necessarily looking for it, but a great opportunity came to me. Um, I have a background in some constructions. I kind of know how that piece works. Okay. But I had never before gone and done a project using, you know, of this of this size of magnitude. Okay. You know, that needed that requirement of capital and expertise and being able to have that conversation with David very early on because I think that's the key. When you want to engage somebody like David and a private lending consultant, you want to get them involved early. Uh, yeah. Not late because you don't want to be scrambling to get things done. You want time to really be able to discuss it. You know, and he took all my phone calls, took all the time to walk through maybe the stuff I hadn't thought of yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I came into this feeling like I had all the answers and I was like, okay, I'm good. I know what to do the, I know what to do here. I know construction. I know real estate. Like sure. I've got all the pieces. And then David started asking me questions and I'm like, oh, that's good. I didn't think of that. Or maybe I should consider that. Or maybe, maybe there's an, another alternative here I hadn't considered. Mm-hmm. And that to me was really, really valuable. Kind of my first time taking on a project like this to have somebody who's done this, you know, hundreds of times probably being able to not just like poke holes in my ideas, but offer up another perspective I hadn't considered. Mm, that That's fantastic. Bringing a lot of expertise to the conversation, just not so much, I like how you said not poking holes, but more of a considering this so you can see the whole picture from, you know, um, I like to say you get a chance to zoom out 
you know, exactly. s- see the whole picture. What are you really doing? What does it look like from 10,000 feet before you, you come back in? No, exactly. that's, a, that's a good example. And it, it also reminds me of a really kind of powerful book that I read, you know, probably in the last, I'd say probably the last few months even. Oh. Um, so the book is called Who Not How, written by Dan Sullivan. Many people know Dan Sullivan as kind of my strategic coach. He's a business coach. Okay. And he coaches entrepreneurs and business owners of how to kind of get to that next level. Mm-hmm. But who, the who not how concept was the fact that was many of us feel like we have to have the answer. We have to do it all. We have to be able to be self-sufficient. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> right. We're, we're, none of us here are guilty of that. No, wink, wink. never. <laughs> but the whole concept is, you know, we always feel like we have to have all the answers. We have to do it. And really what he's saying is, no, you just have to know who can do it. So it's if you try to do everything and know everything and be everything, you, you just can't. You're going to fail at a bunch of things slowly. Hmm. Whereas if you know who those people are and you know when you need to call them or when you need to get them involved, you're going to go a lot farther because you've got those people and you're not afraid to admit, hey, I, I either don't know this or you're way better at this than me. Can you help? And that really is what enables you know us to be more successful. That's fantastic. And again, that book title is Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. And what we're going to do is on our website, jeffsellsmain.com slash closer to home under our tip of the week section. I'll put a link up there to that book if you're thinking, huh, this is kind of interesting. And it's well written, too. I've read it as well. I I, I like it. it. It was a fun read for me. Um, so that way, if folks are, are wondering or if it sparked a question, again, we're at 207-331-5516, closer to home at portlandradiogroup.com if you prefer email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And while you're on our site, you know, go to jeffsellsmain.com slash partners. Oh, yeah. Um, and take a look at the people that we have surrounded ourselves with that are our problem solvers. Um, because we, you know, the people that we have used and we trust, we have very much put out there in front to help our clients. And we do keep them on our website. So if you need a solution or you need somebody to talk to, you know, feel free to check out our website and see who we use. I like that. Yeah, I, you know, the our partners, we we rely on them. But to your point, they are a lot of times our who of, oh, that's a great question. I don't have the answer to it, but I know someone who will have exactly. the answer to it, which I think is is kind of that forward thinking of not stuck with an I don't know, but, you know, how can we move, you know, the pendulum along to to find out whatever that answer is to to keep the ball rolling. Exactly. So I highly recommend people check out the website. Yeah, uh, there's a lot there. See who those people are. Um, very good. All right. So are you ready, Harrison? <laughs> we have around town this week and there is a lot going on. I, I love this time of year because we finally start having a lot of things going on again. People are getting out. They want to get out. They want to do things. And there's some options. It's true. I mean, on a smaller scale, um, I have neighbors again. It's very <laughs> exciting. Like there are dogs walking around my my neighborhood and I get to see people. It's everybody's yeah. smiling. It's it's so nice. I love spring. Even though it's a touch cold, I feel like all of us are stubborn at this point. We're, we're like, it doesn't matter. I'm going to wear my sandals. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, my, I, I've put my winter jacket away. I don't want to see it again. I don't care how cold it might get. I'm not putting it back on. And even if it like, I thought the, the forecast said snow this week and I was like, nope. No. Nope. I won't get the jacket. I'm committed. At this point. No, I'm joining David in Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Hitch a ride. Yeah. You need a consultant. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But around town. For the around town, um, so Biddeford is on the map. Did did you see this? I did. I'm very excited because the food scene there has been good for a while. Not just any like food scene, but the Food and Wine magazine highlighted Biddeford, and I loved this. the The quote was, "quote Portland, Maine's 
quiet older sister with great taste, unquote. Wow. And I love that. I love that. That's great. And and um, I, I can't remember who said it, but I know somebody from the town was was saying that, you know, they, they loved that because Biddeford's not trying to be Portland. Right. You know, they want their own identity. They want their own vibe. And Food and Wine magazine really highlighted this. Yeah. And I, and I love I love seeing places like Biddeford get recognized. I think mm-hmm. Westbrook got recognized a little while back for some things they had going on, too. But for so long, it's been Portland's been the focus of Maine. Sure. And there's really some great little cities that mm-hmm. surround it that um, have really benefited from some spillover from Portland. And it's nice to see some of them get their own recognition. Not just any recognition, but national. national recognition. Right. Like this is huge. So I threw on, you know, Elements, um, Books, Coffee and Beer, Blaze Brewing Company, uh, Rover Bagel. Did I miss anybody? I know Harrison's from the the Bitterford area. Did I miss any uh, spots? I mean, there, there's so many good ones. I mean, Time and Tide is a great place for coffee. There's just you you won't find a bad place when you walk up and down Main Street in Bitterford. And it's a place that is it's friendly again. It's clean. It's it's fun. So many options. I love it. All right. I got two more for you. First one is quick. Um, the Portland's farmer, the Portland farmer's market is back in Deering Oaks Park starting the 27th which I'm very excited about. Have Love you, it. Have you participated? Many times. Oh, gosh, I'm so excited. It's going back outside. Um, and then the last one I have specifically for you, Seaweed Week. Oh, nice. Seaweed Week started. We are in it. The, it's mixed. And yes, Harrison, you can eat seaweed. I love it. And actually, as a kid, I had some uh, I had a good friend who is Taiwanese and I love this little all the seaweed snacks they make. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the spicy ones. Oh, they're so good. The crunchy ones. Oh, man. I I like to like eat a whole mouthful. I know you're supposed to eat one at a time, but I like do the whole thing. The little little package doesn't last. So if anybody's interested, um, we will put that on our website as well. JeffSellsMain.com slash closer home. You can see some of the things going on around town. Again, check out Seafood Week. Harrison, this has been such a fun show. It's been a lot of fun sitting in for Jeff. Danny, of course, this is Danny's last show. We wish you well. We can't wait to see you again soon. Thank you. Uh, You're listening to Closer to Home, Maine's Real Estate Radio on WGAN 98.5, 560 AM.